<clears throat> I uh, occasionally uh, will do a, a repeat of a, of a sermon illustration. That's the uh, issue sometimes for a clergy when you come up with something and say, ooh, this would be a really good illustration. And you think to yourself, I just I think I shared this a year ago. But then uh, I don't know exactly how closely people listen. So uh, I will just share it again. But a good story is always worth sharing more than once. Amen? I don't, and whether this is a good story, I'll leave this up to you to decide. Uh, many of you know that I am a runner. And um, a few, uh, about a year or two ago, a, a colleague, friend of mine, a woman named Cindy Kuzma, who is a freelance writer. And she writes for a number of publications, including Runner's World which is kind of the main publication for runners. And so she will, um, from time to time, reach out to colleagues that she knows, runners, and say, I'm doing an article about this. If any of you would like to talk to me about it, please let me know. So uh, she sent an email saying, I'm doing an article about uh, runner's rage. So people who run and get angry when they run. And this kind of struck a chord with me for reasons I'll explain in a minute. So I reached out to Cindy and I said, uh, I'll be happy to, to speak with you. So she called me up and started interviewing me. And as she was talking to me about sometimes when I go out running, I wish there are people who, for whom running is very relaxing uh, and they use it almost as a prayer that they can, as they're running, like look around at the beautiful creation of God and, and really be at one. I, I, maybe one day I will get there. Uh, instead, sometimes um, I get kind of angry, especially when uh, I cross an intersection and a car gets in the way or something like that. So I expressed all these things to her, and as I'm talking to her, I thought, you know, if I was a writer, I have a feeling I would probably focus on the pastor uh, and the running rage that he experiences. Sure enough, so there's a, I think there's a shot here, a screenshot. Um, uh, the first one. There we go. <clears throat> so that was the, uh, this is on the online version. There's the lead. At the very, underneath the picture, most of the time, Chris Kuhn is a mild-mannered, low-key pastor at Urban Village Church in Chicago. Uh, there's no more, I'm not putting up any more. The next, well, I will. I'll, the next, this is the next paragraph that goes, but when the color comes off and the running shorts, and especially the race bib go on, the 49-year-old turns into a different person, an angry one. And then they go on to, and I have to, and I confess some things that I say or hand gestures that I may or may not make uh, when I am out uh, in the world. Uh, and it's, it's, I don't know why I share any of this with you. Uh, I guess in a way to illustrate what I want to talk about today, that even a pastor, even a, t a pastor can get, not just angry, but perhaps say some things that you later regret. Has anyone ever had the experience of saying a word or a phrase and wish that that word was like a real thing and you could just grab it and say, let's bring that back a moment. Uh, or if not in the moment, maybe a day or two later, and you think to yourself, why did I say that? And you wish you could go back and just say, that thing I said, uh, let's just forget that if we could. Has anyone else had that experience? Am I the only one? Thank you, all right. Um, so we wanna talk about what does it mean to say things? 
today. And this connects to the sermon series <clears throat> called A Way to Pray. We have been looking uh, at uh, a particular kind of prayer. I think we've got a picture of the structure of prayer up. Uh, and this is a prayer called a collect. A collect uh, is a kind of prayer often at the beginning of a worship service. And it has a particular pattern. And so for people who, for whom prayer is new, or for people who really would like instructions on how to pray, this is why we bring this up, so that it gives you a little bit of a sense of here is a one way that you can pray. So a collect, this kind of prayer, generally speaking, is you uh, call out to God. You give a name to God. We preached about that a few weeks ago, uh, whatever that word or that name for God is. And then we remember who God is. So often we will then go back and say, God, this is what you have done in the past. And so we remember who God is. And then we ask for something. We use a verb. We make a petition like, this, Lord, this is what we desire out of our hearts. What we want to focus on today is this fourth thing in this list, this stating or aspiration, these two words, so that. Let me give you an example here. And this is an example that I've given before. But we, for example, we may say, God of liberation, there's the name. You who saved your children from slavery and bondage in Egypt. That's the remembering part, remembering what God has done in our past. Save me from this addiction. So this is the ask, the petition. So that I might better love you and serve you. This is the so that. What do we desire once we ask this prayer or say this prayer? What do we want to be changed? How will we be different? How am I responding to this ask, to this petition in our own prayer? The so that is there so that because sometimes in our prayers, if we're honest with ourselves, we may stop. We, like, we may be on board, like I can name God, even if it's just like saying, dear Lord. Uh, I can maybe remember saying, Lord, you've done this before me in the past, or I remember that Bible story. This is how you've been loving or forgiving me in the past. And then we have this deep desire in our hearts, and we say, Lord, I would really love uh, this in my life, and they name it. And then sometimes the temptation is just kind of stop there. Say, Lord, here is my, here's what I need from you. Now, go do it. But what we want to name today is that by asking these things, we are opening ourselves up to be changed. That we are going to be or do something different by saying this prayer. Now, if you are thinking, or if you are enthused by this, thinking, yes, I can't wait to see what might happen in my life. How might I be changed by saying this prayer? If this is your kind of thing, or if you are somebody who think, thinks that actions speak louder than words, if you're that kind of person too, then the book of James, which Mary read earlier, is for you. For people who are fairly new to the Bible, James, I think, is actually a pretty good way to enter it. It comes later on in the Bible in a section of the Bible called the New Testament. Uh, and James really states it pretty clearly for the ways that our faith may impact our lives or how we are supposed to respond to our faith. Now, James has kind of a checkered history. Uh, anyone ever heard of a man named Martin Luther before? He made a big deal out of the big anniversary this year, Martin Luther, some people call kind of the father of Protestantism. Uh, Martin Luther was not a fan of James. Martin Luther believed very much that we are saved by our faith, that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, it is only God's action through our faith. In fact, Martin Luther called James an epistle of straw, and then he dropped his mic. 
So Martin Luther, not a fan of the book of James. But we are not Lutherans, friends. We are United Methodists, which means that John Wesley was a fan uh, of, of James. For those who don't know, John Wesley, one of the main leaders of this Methodist movement. Uh, Wesley saw James uh, as he was observing people. Sometimes he thought that people would say, I've got faith. That means I don't have to do anything with my life. If I just say, I believe, I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want because I just say, I believe. And Wesley thought that doesn't quite do it either. And in fact, he said that a faith without works, a faith without doing anything says, get this quote, a faith without works is the grand pest of Christianity. And then Wesley dropped his mic. So here we have this history of this book of James. So if you ever say to yourself, you know, talk is cheap, or if you think to yourself, put your money where your mouth is, this James is the book of the Bible for you. In fact, James says it in verse 22, what we read today. James says this, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Be doers of the word. This is the so that. Lord, I desire this from you so that I might act or be a different kind of person. Be doers of the word. So when I read this little phrase, be doers of the word, I thought about oh, all the people in my life who actually live this out, who actually do the things, this cloud of witnesses in my life, in my life. people here and now in this church, so many of you do wonderful things as a response to your prayers, as a response to God's presence in your life. I think about the people that I've read about in history books who have lived this out in so many different ways, and I was inspired to share some of these things. But then something kept striking me about James as I was reading through this and knowing that James talks about this throughout this letter. James talks a fair amount about our tongues and what we say. And then I wondered, could it be that the so that also means that what we say could also be changed? We might say a prayer and hope that we act differently. We have a different way of being. But could it also mean that when we say a prayer like this and we make an ask of God, that how we use our tongues, the words that we say, that part of our lives could also be changed. You know, and James says this later on too. This is James 3.5. I think we have a slide for this. James 3.5 says this. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. James knew the power of the tongue. You know, the tongue is actually a pretty powerful thing. Have any of you ever heard or... Uh, read that the tongue is the most powerful muscle in your body? Have any of you ever heard or read that before? That's not true. <laughs> I thought it was too until I read about it this week. Uh, and in fact, depending on how you measure strength, some people say the heart, some people say your quadriceps, some people say there's a jaw muscle. But the tongue is pretty powerful. In fact, I think we have a quote here. There's a, a quote from a woman named Dr. Maureen Stone from the University of Mar Maryland College or School of Dentistry. And she talks about the tongue as being tireless. When's the last time your tongue was tired? If you don't have any disorders, the answer is probably never. 
It doesn't fatigue because there is a lot of redundancy in the muscle. You simply activate different muscle fibers and get the same results. I looked and read so much this week about the different striations of the tongue muscle. It never wears out. Even though we probably have people in our lives, we think, I wish it would every once in a while. <laughs> people who like to talk. I like to talk. My tongue doesn't get tired. I throw it might, but my tongue can go all day. And so the tongue is a very powerful thing. Can we go back to that James 3.5 passage? The tongue is a small member. How great a force is set ablaze by a small fire. Could James 3.5 be any more timely than 2018? We have lots of conversations amongst ourselves, and we read about it too, about the devaluing of public discourse in our society. We can see it, of course, all day in social media, but also in how we speak to one another and what we say to one another. Also, many people have said, it seems like things have just gotten worse and worse and worse. And so I think it's appropriate for us to think about our tongues and what impact they might have. That we might pray, Lord, transform my tongue and the words that I say. Now, in the passage that James talks about, he talks about here, he says he uses actually the verb bridled, that our tongues might be bridled. Uh, and I also read about being bridling. And, this, and bridling is not necessarily to to uh, bring it back at all, but it's to harness. Like with a horse, you, want the, you, want to, you don't want to take away the horse's power. You just want to direct it in a certain way. And by thinking about our tongues, we don't want you necessarily to be quiet, but instead we want to use this powerful uh, tool, muscle, in hopefully a way that moves us and others forward. Think about the times in your life when someone has spoken a good word into you. And what a difference that made in your life when someone spoke blessing into you. And what a difference that made in your life. I remember so distinctly when I discerned whether to go into the ministry or not, three different people used the exact same phrase, just a few words, but it had such an impact on me. They said, you know, Chris, you could be my pastor. And these were people I admired. And my reaction was, what? But they said it again. You could be my, that exact phrase. You could be my pastor. They used their tongues and their words in a way to speak that into me. And it made such a difference. Now, by the same token, I'm sure if we pass the mic around to all of you, I want you to tell a time when someone tore you down because of something they said. Sadly, it probably wouldn't take very long for any of us to name something to name something that somebody has said to you that hurt, that destroyed your self-confidence, destroyed the sense of who you are. For me, still on the topic of ministry, I remember when I was in seminary and I had a field education person who said to me, you know, I don't know if you should think about the ministry or at least the local church ministry, which was striking to me. And I thought, really, say more about that. And so she talked about things that she saw in me and thought perhaps that maybe being a pastor of a local church was not the path that I should take. And that really stuck with me. And I thought, all right, well, let's see what else is out there. As I explored other paths and discern whether exactly this is, this is what's happening. And I believe that God probably 
maybe the spirit was like reaching out to these other three people saying, we need to like let him know that's, we need to go a different direction here. But just those few words that she said, I'm not sure you should go into the ministry, had a big impact on me and my direction. It is so easy. It is so easy for our tongues to harm. It is so easy for our tongues to harm. Making a crass comment to somebody, maybe gossiping behind someone's back, saying something prejudiced, and you think, oh, I'm just joking. I don't really mean it. And the thing that that does to us when we say those things, especially when we say it about someone else who is less than or is marginalized, it gives us this little, really awful surge of ego. And it makes us feel good about ourselves for a brief moment. But the, the lie about that is then later on, it just deflates us. And then we go seeking it more and more. And it's a really awful cycle when we use our tongues in that way. Friends, when was the last time that we asked for a transformed or bridled tongue so that we might speak good, that we might speak blessing, that we might speak justice into someone or into a situation? Many of you know, back to when I was running, when I run, I listen to podcasts a lot of time. And one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is one that's pretty popular called This American Life uh, on National Public Radio. There was an episode that they did uh, a couple, three years ago. And the title of the whole episode was, if you don't have anything nice to say, say it in all caps. And what they were doing, the whole uh, image of this, is they were diving into uh, internet trolls. And they were diving into this whole issue of just the awful things that people in this way type. But I think we can also think about how it affects others. They really wanted to look into it. So the very first uh, part of this hour, they focused on a woman uh, named Lindy West. I think we have a picture of Lindy, if we could put that up. This is Lindy. Lindy is uh, an author. She is a comedian. She's an activist. Uh, she's written an essay collection called Shrill, Notes from a Loud Woman. Lindy is not afraid to uh, put opinions out there on lots of different things, including, uh, I think if we all kind of look at her, maybe the first thing that we notice is that she's overweight. She will call her, she says fat. She uses the word fat. Uh, and that is often when she goes out on the internet, and you can perhaps uh, imagine that all the things that people will respond and say to her on the internet. But she continues to be present in those spaces because she feels like her voice is needed. But perhaps the most awful thing that she experienced happened uh, when her father died. Uh, her father, with whom she was very close, uh, passed away. One of the trolls, found this out, did some research, and created a Twitter account in her father's name, uh, and then uh, proceeded to harass her uh, from this account, found a picture of him online, uh, and created this. And in fact, the bio on the Twitter account said uh, that he's the proud father of two children and, quote, an embarrassed father of an idiot, unquote. And she said this was the tipping point for her. This was things that she's getting from this Twitter account from her, her dead father. And so she wrote about it. 
She wrote about this experience. She wrote about what this felt like and the pain that she was feeling because of what this person had done. And a pretty interesting thing happened. The author of this read it, read this article, and then began to think about what he had done. Uh, and he reached out to her. He emailed her uh, and apologized. And then they began this conversation with one another. And so uh, that's what this whole excerpt or this whole episode is about in This American Life. I think we're going to try to play. There's about a two-minute excerpt that I want you to hear. Uh, what you will hear is the man is never identified in the, in the story. Uh, and so what you will hear is him sharing some of his own emotions of what happened once he realized what he had done. And then she will be responding in this conversation. Let's take a listen. For the first time, it wouldn't leave my mind. Usually, I would put out all this internet hate, and oftentimes I would just forget about it. This one would not leave me. It would not leave me. I started thinking about you, because I know you had read it, and I'm thinking, how, how would she feel? And um, the next day, I wrote you. Yeah. Um, well, I, and I, I truly am sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, have you lost anyone? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can. I can. I don't know what else to say except that I'm sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> I get abuse. All day, every day. It's it's part of my job. And <laughs> this was the meanest thing anyone's ever done to me. Um, oh. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it was really fresh. You know, he had just died. But you're also... You're the only, only troll who's ever apologized. Not just to me. I've never heard of this happening before. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anyone who's ever who's ever gotten an, an apology and I just I mean you know thank you I <sighs> I'm glad that you have some solace honestly I did have some solace I forgave him I felt sorry for him it's so difficult to believe that anyone ever really changes and he did it I found immense comfort in that There's so many things said in that exchange, uh, the ways that they use their tongues that I found very powerful. Um, certainly the saying, I'm sorry. Uh, Lindy saying, I forgave him. But I think it's also important to name the fact that, and this is one way that you can use our tongues. She did not hold back. She said, this is the meanest thing anyone has ever done to me. She put it out there. She did not say, oh, it's fine. Oh, let's just forget about it. She named the hurt that she was going through so that this person could hear that too. But then also, what else was going on here? I'm sorry. I forgive you. The ways that people use their words and their tongues in this way can be so transformative. 
simple little phrases that we may have in our own lives can make a huge difference. When we say things like, I'm sorry, when we think about the words that our tongues can put together, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Other phrases too, me too. I believe in Jesus. Black lives matter. I'm gay. I go to church. Time's up. These words and phrases that we can say make a huge difference. And so, my prayer for me is that I don't say things, whether I'm running or whether I'm in a relationship that don't, doesn't bring someone down, but both list them up, but also can point things out. So in our prayers, when you say, oh God, you who have been with me from the beginning, I ask that you would transform my life so that I might speak a word of love, so that I might speak a word of grace, so that I might speak a word of justice, so that I might speak a word of forgiveness, so that I might speak a word of blessing. Our tongues are very powerful, friends. May the same God who can do amazing things so that we can be doers of the word help us so that we can be speakers of a word of grace and love too. Amen.